the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is the Pro-America Report on The Answer, San Diego. Welcome. Welcome, everybody. This is the Pro-America Report with Ed Martin. Uh, I am your guest host, Ryan Height, filling in yet again one more day for Mr. Ed Martin, who is out of town enjoying a little bit of relaxation uh, with his wife uh, for their anniversary. Again, we wish Ed all the best. Thank him for his constant leadership on the show, for bringing us what we need to know and great guests and everything else in between. Uh, and I will make sure that he is back next week. You'll be done with me for a while, <laughs> and he'll be back in the driver's seat uh, come next week. So here's what you need to know. Do not live by the lies. Do not passively allow the lies of the radical leftist movement of the push to destroy our American values, of the push to remove Judeo-Christian ethics from our society, the, the foundation, the underpinnings of our nation. Do not passively let those go by. Do not miss opportunities to uh, fight back, even in small ways. And, and let me tell you where this comes from. Um, this is actually, and this is, this is a book recommendation as well that I'm about to give here. Um, this comes from the final uh, essay of Alexander Solzhenitsyn uh, to his countrymen before he was exiled from Russia, the very famous Russian writer, uh, the dissident against the Soviet Union. You, you need to go and look him up. You need to go and read his work. But his final essay to his countrymen before he was exiled to the West was entitled Live Not By Lies. And then another gentleman has come along, uh, Rod Dreyer. Rod Dreyer. I, I never know if I'm pronouncing that correctly. D-R-A-H-E-R. And he wrote a book of the same title, Live Not By Lies, inspired by Alexander Solzhenitsyn's. And what Rod Dreyer did went through and and the, specifically through the perspective of, of Christianity, of the church. How did we oppose this hard uh, totalitarianism or you know militaristic government control totalitarianism? Uh, how did we oppose that? How do we stand firm against that and ensure that we can continue uh, the push of truth even in the midst of that? And here in America, obviously, we're not dealing the same thing. The you know government has not cracked down on us, sent the military, uh, throwing people in the gulag. But we are dealing with soft totalitarianism, the cultural totalitarianism that is coming our way in force. And we cannot allow that to continue by just passively going along. So... This is my encouragement. What you need to know is don't live by their lies. We have to be bold in calling out what is wrong, calling out what is twisted, and calling out what needs to be done to move forward in the right direction. Uh, this is no better example can I think of right now than this argument over uh, transgender issues and kids. This is just, you know, it's one of those no-brainer. Even if someone supports adults being able to do what they want to do, it just seems to be a no-brainer to most people. Obviously not with kids. They're still developing. There's stuff going on. These are permanent consequences and decisions not to be made by minors, uh, not to be, you know, moved in too quickly. That seems... But it's, it's time to go even a step further, though. 
and make sure that we're not just, you know, oh, well, with kids and consent and that. No, no, it's time to not just passively let some of this, you know, let some of this slide by. It's time to call it out. It's time to not live by the lies that culture is making up, live by all this politically correct nonsense that's coming along. And I can't think of a better example uh, than this week. Uh, Attorney General Andrew Bailey here in the state of Missouri, uh, he put down an emergency order uh, to ban uh, procedures uh, for, of transgender procedures for minors to set up new parental consent guidelines. And I, I don't know if you've read it, uh, big expose, the whistleblower from uh, our uh, our own Washington University medical system here in St. Louis uh, actually just blew the lid off of the horrible transgender uh, stuff that was going on at the clinic here with kids. Uh, but Andrew Bailey did what needs to be done. He called he talked about these as inhumane science experiments, inhumane science experiments on kids. That's the kind of boldness that all of us need to be living by. That is how to not passively just, oh, well, we should just wait and not have it. No, no, no. It's not just about waiting until they're not kids anymore. Let's call this what it is. Let's call this on that. We have stand up for biology, stand up for the truth, stand up for the fact that we are not a relativistic society. There is absolute truth and we all must abide by it. We must stop passively allowing this stuff to go just inch us closer. Sometimes we stand up and stop the big moves, but it's time to stop passively allowing the little moves. Stop living by the lies of the left. That's my encouragement today. That's what we need to know. That's what we need to do. And with that in mind, let's dive into the rest of this program. We've got some great guests, so we will be right back uh, after a break. ProAmericaReport.com. Sign up for the emails. Make sure you don't miss anything else that you need to know. We'll be right back, everyone. Thank you for joining the ProAmerica Report. Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Time to check in with Ted Malik, our old friend. Ted Malik, of course, is a, well, he's been a businessman. He's been an author. He's a professor. He's a world traveler, a Sherpa, all kinds of things. He's been a lot of things. And uh, my friend now, and uh, Ted's got another column out. This time he's, it's very helpful, Ted. I have to say it's over at One America News on their commentary page. I'll put the link up on social media, uh, explaining what's going on with this uh, Silicon Valley Bank and the banking crisis. I mean, you have you have a you know f- five or six decades of experience watching and participating in the banking system. So walk us through what's really happening here, Ted. Yeah. Well, good morning, Ed. Uh, good to be with you. I, the French use the term. Uh, uh, orange parfait, which of course means perfect storm. And that's what we, uh, faced, uh, you know, for the last, uh, I would say period of time. And it came to fruition about a week and a half ago, but we're not out of this uh, storm by any means. You know, we have a, a collision of many factors. So what I did in this uh, piece is unlike the media is try to unravel all of the parts. I count six of them that uh, are particularly damaging, that led to this um, <clears throat> second largest uh, uh, collapse in, uh, in, in, you know, wall of U.S. history of a bank, that is the SVB Bank. Then we had on Sunday after that, the Signature Bank collapse. And I, I think, you know, the Credit Suisse uh, situation is not dissimilar, although it's not an American bank. And there are about two dozen other banks, frankly, that are in deep trouble. And if you follow any financial news whatsoever, you can read that long list. And uh, we're not out of the woods by any means. 
Well, that's the first thing I wanted to ask you, Ted, is the coverage of it seemed to me to be too quick to say that, hey, um, we guaranteed uh, uh, Silicon Valley Bank, therefore nothing to see here. I mean, the fundamentals are off, right? I mean, and and so it's not one bank. I think you wrote there that Silicon Valley is the 16th largest bank. So it's not small, but it's not the big boys. Um, But what's the reality then, uh, Ted? Are we facing, I mean, are there 10 other banks that are facing this problem? And and how would you describe the the general problem? I mean, it's not only um, uh, Biden's regulators and all, it's also the massive spending that the COVID did with Trump too, right? I mean, there's a lot of, there's a lot of blame to yeah. So, I mean, the answer is that all banks, frankly, are in are in this mismatch, you know, where their liabilities and assets don't uh, don't match up. That's in large part because of the economy and because of the interest rate situation. Uh, but those uh, banks, you know, can be monitored and the credit uh, agencies rate them. And some of them are now literally junk uh, or, you know. They're uh, <clears throat> assets that people don't want to hold. So what we have is not just a run on certain banks. SVB obviously had that kind of run, but lots of people. Uh, and I mean, not only those with $250,000 and less in deposits, but those with certainly more are reconsidering their banking relationships and are running to the money center banks that are, quote unquote, too big to fail. Um, so SVB itself got caught in the crosshairs of the Biden economy. It was fueled by wokeness and rising interest rates. That's what I say. There are six reasons that the bank potentially and others, I think, with similar models, some of them are regional banks, uh, have misjudged portfolio risks in their portfolio and the duration of bond yields. And they could see the same result. Um, I mean, the question is, uh, you know, what will the Fed do about it? What will the FDIC do about it? Or will we find that there are certain banks like this SVB where the Democrats uh, uh, benefited? I mean, $73 million given by SVB to Black Lives Matter, uh, millions given to Democratic candidates over the course of the last few elections. 97% of all of its donations went to Democrats. Uh, the governor of California has multi, multi-million dollar accounts there and begged for buyouts. Um, so what we have is, in effect, a bailout system for Biden's Democratic billionaire friends. Uh, we're talking with Ted Malik again, uh, uh, and uh, and uh, Ted, of course, the author, businessman, uh, professor all over the world on this. Is this problem American only? Are, I, I know you said Credit Suisse, and I, I don't know the specifics to know, but is this problem that, you know, this um, the uh, spending, inflation, and then this picking winners and losers? Is it, I mean, if you're a smaller nation, you can't afford to bail out your bank. I mean, we can't really afford to do it, but we sort of do it uh, by mirrors, right? Well, I, I, it is a global problem. And uh, at least last week, it was estimated that about $80 billion in bank assets globally were lost due to this run on banks. So it is a, it's not quite a contagion yet, but it's, it's a large phenomenon and it affects banks all over the world. The rising interest rates in particular are very damaging to uh, poorer countries, as you might suspect. They can't afford these higher rates based in U.S. dollars. But yes, we have a unique banking system in the United States. It used to have about 3,800 banks, many of them smaller community banks, and there has been some consolidation. Uh, 
some acquisition. There could be a lot more. But this kind of thing puts lots of pressure on those banks who are uh, mismanaged in some cases and don't have the proper match between their assets and their liabilities. I could go at length, and I have in this article, to talk about some of those banks' woke priorities, which I think also got them and will continue to get them into deep trouble as they take their eye off of banking, which is what they're supposed to be doing, banking. Um, we're talking Ted Malik. Ted, um, what happens when a bank gets bailed out like this? I mean, there was no more money the day before. So when we bail them out, it's, is it the taxpayer that does it? And what happens if 10 more banks go upside down like this? Is there, is there a point where you can't, the Fed and, 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 and the federal government can't make a straight face and claim that this is, you know, that it works to bail them out? I mean, is that, is that what the end oh. is? And we finally <clears throat> see somebody held mm-hmm. accountable? Well, this is unlike the 2008 banking crisis, um, where the big money center banks were in trouble and there was a bailout of or a merger of a number of those institutions. Here, you know, it's cherry picking of smaller banks. uh, And they they aren't technical bailouts in that the government took them over. They're actually going into bankruptcy. What the government is doing, the FDIC is doing with Biden's approval, Janet Yellen's approval, is insuring the deposits over $250,000. Now, there's insurance on accounts under that amount. But here we have some even Chinese venture firms with billions of dollars of assets, over 250000 and they're being bailed out by the FDIC. Now, who's going to pay for that? The joke is that the taxpayer doesn't have to pay a dime. If you believe that, I've got a bridge to sell you because those costs get passed on to all of the banks and the banks pass those costs on to all of their customers. So uh, back to my question, because the big banks, the big, big, the biggest banks aren't in trouble. Can this go on for uh, 10 more banks? I mean, you know, in other words, is that the is that. The worst case is that we do this 10 more times. And as you point out, everybody's paying. They may not feel it or think they feel it yet. Is that what, um, or maybe say it a different way, Ted, when you observe this, what's the path out? What's the path forward that would be better? Well, on the left, people would say just uh, uh, put the FDI insurance at uh, an unlimited amount. Bail everybody out, and the government will pick up the tab, even if it's uh, hundreds of billions of dollars. That, you know, that's a typical leftist response. My response is that if a bank is poorly managed, if a bank doesn't have risk controls, if a bank has a fondness for democratic favor seeking, and if a bank has unethical leadership, then you're going to have to let it fail. And that's the cost of doing business in a capitalist economy. The um, um, how how common do you think it was with Silicon Valley Bank? And you you described this. We're talking with Ted Malik in your column. You described these um, these these uh, politically correct actions that they took in terms of um, you know not keeping their eye on being bankers. They instead wanted to be Black Lives Matter supporters and virtue signaling and all. How common is that? I mean, are, are we? In other words, if you looked, if you stopped and looked, is every bank doing that? Is Bank of America doing that? I mean, are they all maybe they're uh, are they well, all taking their eye off? I, I, I would argue, and and you could prove this, you know, just with empirical research, and I've done so, that banks have moved towards independent directors, they've moved towards diversity candidates on their boards, and they've moved away from banking. Uh, 
And I, I think this is selfish, unethical kind of leadership. I mean, it's interesting that on the SVB Bank, they had 90% independent directors. Um, they had diversity to the gazoo. And they had only one person on their entire board who had any experience in banking. Wow. Wow. Um, uh, is that... Uh is another answer, Ted, can you, could you envision, and I think I know the answer had to do with the federal regulators, that the community banks and, and smaller banks, it's harder to do than ever. And you can't really, you're forced. So we're, we're not going to have an explosion of, uh, of uh, local banks, are we? Or, or is, is that a part, could that be a part of a solution? Well, I, I, you know, many of these smaller banks actually have a similar uh, mismatch between their assets and liabilities. So they're they're, they're in some trouble economically, and that's largely due to the fact that, the, you know, we've printed $6 trillion, and the inflation rate went to 9%, even if it's fallen back some, and the Fed is actually today going to kick up the interest rates again. So, the you know, the Fed is implicit in this somewhat for keeping interest rates too low too long and then rising them too fast and doing damage to the banking system. Uh, but, yes, you know, this has spread across the entire banking sector, across the entire financial services industry. So, you know, if you're uh, an investor or even even a, a, a larger investor, you, you want to go to a bank that's more sound. Well, that's what I, you know, you, you have, at this point, in my mind, you, at this point, you have to be crazy not to be at one of the top three or four banks just because you, you know, they're too big to fail. I mean, <laughs> you, you, human nature at this point is you can see the, the sign on the wall is too big to fail. And even though they did protect SVB or bail, you know, I mean, bail it out or whatever, uh, I, I think, it, you know, you'd be crazy to be uh, uh, anywhere but the biggest banks. All right, Ted Malik, what's coming next? I know we, we often get a preview of what you're writing on next. What's, what's coming out of your pen well, I, in I'm, the next I'm, couple I'm, of days? I'm finished an article that will be out soon with a picture of uh, Putin on the toilet with the title, Your Enemy. I think we've given uh, Putin too much of a pass, and we need to remind ourselves that he's not only a KGB agent, but he is the personification of what Ronald Reagan talked about decades ago in that famous speech to the National Association of Evangelicals. He is the incarnation of evil itself. Excellent. All right. We'll look forward to it. Ted Malik, as always, thank you for being with us. And thank you for writing over One America News on their commentary page. I'll put it up on social media. Thanks, Ted. Great. We will take a break, everybody. We'll be right back. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Time to check in with John Schlafly. John Schlafly, of course, writes a weekly column, the Schlafly Report. He and his brother Andy do it every week. Uh, Faithfully, we say, as we say in the business, faithfully. I don't think they've taken a week off in years. And this week, uh, they've got a bounce in their step because I was with President Donald Trump a couple days ago. And President Trump, after 
exchanging a few niceties with me, not very many. He said, you know, I just was reading the uh, the column by uh, John and Andy Schlafly. Great writing, great stuff. And it went on out there. And so there you go, John. High praise. So welcome back to the program. How are you? Well, thank you, Ed. And that's that's certainly very gratifying. Um, uh, that's that's very, very good news. I'm glad to hear that. Yeah, it was uh, it was really fun. It was a, it was a uh, great uh, thing to hear him talk about. Now, John, this week's column, same topic. He's probably going to be interested in this uh, uh, column, too, because uh, it was about uh, the investigators. Tell us about the column and what 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 do you see going on here at this point with uh, with everything, John? I mean, we're, we're at a point of no return, right? Yes, of course, we're everyone is watching what we've been told is about to happen. We're, to, we're told it would happen Tuesday. And if not Tuesday, it would happen Wednesday. And if not Wednesday, perhaps Thursday. And, uh, and that is the impending indictment and arrest of Donald Trump by the New York Manhattan district attorney. And uh, so that, of course, is totally unprecedented for a variety of reasons. And, um, well, the charge that he's supposedly working on is frankly laughable. And just for the record, it's been looked at by other prosecutors who decided correctly that there's nothing there. Um, and those were those other prosecutors are not friendly to Trump, and yet they agreed there's nothing there. There's nothing criminal. And yet this Alvin Bragg, who was basically elected with the with the large help from George Soros, who's been, um, as, by the way, as uh, Senator J.D. Vance said, he's really, you know, he's ruining our country, and not just in this case, but with the uh, prosecuting attorneys that he's managed to get elected in about two dozen of our biggest cities. And it's... You know, John, we're talking with John Schlafly and his, his column. His column this week is the investigators, and we're specifically talking about the uh, district attorney in New York. But as, as you broaden it, John, in, in, in our hometown, St. Louis, the St. Louis prosecutor there elected in a multi uh, uh, Democrat primary, the most liberal, a Soros funded person. She's made a, a mockery of, of everything. It was an international story when someone she allowed to not be charged for multiple crimes ended up maiming, uh, you know, really damaging a young girl who was visiting St. Louis for a volleyball tournament, you know, and, and in New York City, it, Manhattan has crime all over the place. I mean, it's, it's wild because they're not prosecuting crimes. And yet, you know, it's even more outrageous, John. And this is why I, I don't know what investigate the investigators leads to, which is the title of your column. But, you know, the district attorney in New York, as I just said earlier on this uh, on this program, uh, he, he has a misdemeanor charge that he's looking at for a business records a business transaction documentation problem. It's a misdemeanor. And yet he is invoking the ability to turn a misdemeanor into a felony when he has evidence that there was a, another crime to be done. But the other crime to be done is supposed to be a federal election crime, which nobody has any proof of. Nobody's filed a complaint about. Nobody has proven and yet he's going to get a grand jury testimony. And again, you do talk about this in your column uh, in a grand jury where there's no cross-examination and the grand jury is going to hear from uh, Michael Cohen. And Michael Cohen's going to say, yeah, we, we thought we were getting away with a, a, a crime under the federal election law. Michael Cohen, a, a convicted 
uh, you know, uh, uh, he pled guilty to crimes, not only crimes, but lying crimes. And here we are. I mean, John, it's not just a mockery. It's a playbook to use the law against the citizens. And it makes pretty clear if Donald Trump, when he stands up and says, it's not me there after it's you, I'm just in the way. That's pretty much how it feels. Well, that's right. In this business about election law, you know, the, the federal election law has says that provides that expenditures for personal matters are not campaign expenditures. And the expenditure that we're talking about, it was for a personal matter. And, uh, it, you know, the, the idea, you, know, you can't say that it was a campaign matter if it would have been, a, it would have been illegal to, re, to treat it as a campaign manager because campaigns are not right. allowed right. to spend campaign money for personal right. expenditures. And so anyway, right. the whole thing is uh, outrageous from beginning to end. But when we say investigate the investigators, what we point out, Ed, is that the House of Representatives, which is under uh, Republican control, has powers, and it should exercise those powers. And... Uh, Starting with the power of investigation, they've already demanded that the now, of course, federal government does not normally supervise a local district attorney. But if the local district attorney is going to interfere with a federal election, which he's doing, that makes it a federal issue. And um, so, uh, but uh, so, and, John, and but John, let me ask you: when you get to the is protected by the speech and debate clause, which is very broad and covers to any legislative matter that the House will takes up, basically. And they should push that to the limits to uh, investigate and unearth what's going on in Manhattan. Um, John, uh, uh, first of all, let me pause and on that. Um, one of the things that I think the uh, and I, I don't think you allude to this directly, but I would encourage you uh, on this. Um, it, it feels like sometimes the people in power are only playing the are only running the plays that are in the playbook, meaning, oh, you know, we're going to do an oversight here. Well, why not? As you just point out, have extended floor debate on the question of this and and create a. A, a phenomenon. I mean, create a, a an earned media storm of coverage. I, I you know, I as you know, I'm, I'm part of the reason I was down in uh, in Florida this week was to see some of the January six families, the people whose loved ones are prisoners. And and one of the things they say over and over again is the presence of the Congressional Select Committee lying about what occurred and being so one sided had a dramatic effect on the ability of these people, families of, of prisoners to, to live in their community because their community was being told, oh, insurrection, insurrection. And the, and the point is, that was Congress. Nobody has said, maybe they should, that we should prosecute Liz Cheney and uh, Benny Thompson for wasting tax dollars. It's, it is, a as you say, a protected, it may be terribly unethical, but it's protected speech as we contemplate it. But the Republicans are saying, oh, yeah, we, you know, we're going to do we're going to send a subpoena. Uh, Congressman Comer, the chairman of the oversight, will send a subpoena. They'll ignore the subpoena. They'll delay the subpoena. They'll lie in the subpoena. And we will be here in three months, six months, nine months again. I mean, John, we've got to get some who are willing to change the plays, run different plays than we've been getting beaten at. 
Well, that's right. And, you know, the the Republicans have been in control of the House for, what, two and a half months now. Right. And uh, not much happening uh, other than a couple of show votes. Uh, no, I'm opt- I'm, or, I mean, I'm hopeful, but, you know, why are we not seeing exactly what you're talking about? Why has uh, Speaker not appointed a new chairman of the January 6th special committee who will right. investigate these things and go to town with them? Right. That should, be, that, you know, that should have been done. Uh, John, what what do you if you investigate the investigators, in this case, the district attorney Bragg, I think part of the reality is that Bragg, a little bit like in St. Louis, our hometown, again, the the circuit attorney there, when you get to the bottom of it, they're sort of shameless. Uh, They don't there's there's no cost to them. In fact, it may make it easier for them politically to in in a one in a one party town like New York City, Manhattan, uh, being a, a partisan hack, you know, who's not paying attention to the law or the tradition or uh, the requirements. It kind of looks like somebody who's, uh, you know, doing pretty well with the Democrat base and, and may not never be displaced uh, by the voters. So what do you get to the bottom of it? I mean, can, do we do we uh, envision I, can you, you can't impeach a district attorney, but your, your point is it's bully pulpit time. Right. Or or maybe it's um, uh, because of, I guess because it's a federal election that they're impacting, you can make an argument to try to get them prosecuted. Well, a federal election is, is is they're interfering with a federal election and not the 2024 election. They're doing that right now. And in addition, I think, you know, we strongly suspect there's been some back channel uh, communications between Alvin Bragg's office and other persons, and we need to expose those. And so back to um, talk a little bit about the sort of odds of uh of good behavior um do you think you do you see um the the uh opportunity for leadership i think um i think president trump has stepped up in terms of the da in D- in new york and taken the negative attention and shined a light on uh on new york and i think he probably will you know i, I often say he's an energy monster uh, you know he just loves energy and so he'll turn negative energy into something he can use uh, is that as good as it gets or, 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 or you know, do you think uh, uh, others are going to step up here? Is J.D. Vance going to step up here? Is, uh, I did notice Elise Stefanik, the congresswoman from New York, was pretty vocal on this. Um, is there some are, are there some other heroes out there that we should look towards? Well, I think it's time for everyone to be heard from. And, uh, and that includes the people whose names have been mentioned as presidential candidates. Several of them were slow to uh, address this issue, and a couple of them have not, still not been heard from. So, uh, and you know, the Alvin Bragg is just the first. There are other potential prosecutions that have been worked on, including the one in Atlanta, Georgia, Fulton County, and the special counsel in the U.S. Justice Department. Well, these are other shoes which are may drop, and if they do, there's got to be a united. Um, effort by the Republican Party to uh, to respond, we'll push back, say. Push back, respond, uh, push back, shut down, and so on. Um, John, do you have an, a, an opinion? I have expressed mine at the beginning of the program again on DeSantis handling of this. Governor DeSantis, uh, and I, I, you haven't heard my assessment, I don't think. I, I said basically Ron DeSantis handled um, this situation 
like a traditional uh, run-of-the-mill, normal, everyday Republican candidate. He, he tried to message. They sat in a room. They came up with a message. Let's repeat the hush payment line over and over again, and that'll, make, uh, that'll embarrass Trump, and then uh, we'll say something milquetoast. I, I think the problem is it's not 2015. Um, he looked to me like a cross between uh, Scott Walker in terms of blah energy and Jeb Bush in terms of explaining away something serious as none of uh, our business. I, I, I really do think it was a terrible miscalculation. Do you have the same uh, general assessment? Uh, yes, it was It was too little, too late. And uh, I think that if he wants to be a national figure, he has to address this national issue, which, you know, we, it's the most important issue of this week. That's why we we wrote the column about it. It's unprecedented. It's a crisis, potentially, if Alvin Bragg goes forward. And, uh, and, and national figures have to be heard from. Now, you know, uh, Francis, I, I, I mean, uh, I John, to, go ahead. Keep going. Sorry. I apologize. Sorry. Go ahead. Well, no, uh, go. Course, on an unrelated issue, I mean, DeSantis has taken a lot of heat for his use of the term territorial dispute regarding Russia and Ukraine. And so, uh, you know, that's really, and that's, you know, the biggest issue in the world right now, and perhaps. And, um, well, it can't be too hard. I mean, I want to hope he stands by that statement because it's correct as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, yeah I think that uh, he yeah, has I been don't... rebuked. He is rebuked yeah. by everybody in the permanent government in Washington, including most of the other figures in the Republican Party, for making that statement. Yeah, I thought that was, uh, we're talking with John Schlafly again, we're talking about uh, Ron DeSantis referring to a territorial dispute between Russia and Ukraine. I thought it was helpful in that sense that he was covering that ground on the, on that issue, um, making clear that, you know, there's, it's not just, say, Trump who's wondering, but uh, but back to the this this bigger question of the of the uh, you know the the district attorney Bragg. By the way, I give John. I'll give you credit. You know, I do a daily commentary, radio commentary, as the listeners may know, and uh, we play it at the end of the program at the, to, before the last segment, and runs all over the country. And I, I will steal from John and Andy Schlafly's columns. And for the last maybe six weeks, uh, they have been writing about a number of columns about the Georgia uh, district attorney getting outside of the purview and influencing a presidential election. I, I, John, I think you got yourself wrapped around to New York fast enough, but for a while you were definitely ahead of the game on, on saying, hey, this is what this guy is doing. Now you better adjust again. Uh, the, the Department of Justice special prosecutor has been hand-delivered hand uh, the attorney-client privilege documents between Trump and his attorney about the National Archives, and they're going to go and do this thing where they're, gonna, they're actually not going to indict Trump for the fact that he didn't put the records in the right place. They're going to try to indict him for the fact that he sort of maybe misled his lawyers, which, I, you know, this is beyond belief that this is going on. And John, one last question about this. When you watch all this happen, one of the groups that used to have a, a role in holding the system together was the bar. Broadly speaking, meaning the lawyers that could be Democrat and Republican, but they had a sort of, no, not a sort of, they had a real deep respect for the law and the system. You know, your father famously played a, a leading role on the ABA back when the ABA was not totally bonkers. Your mother went to law school later, later in his, her career and was made that a factor. You were yourself are a lawyer. You're, you've got a, a brother that's a lawyer. The, the judges, the prosecutors and the bar are, are far too silent 
on this abuse of our system, aren't they, John? I mean, that may be the dog that's not barking, the silence of the bar, meaning a kind of end of our, our, our legal system working right. Well, I think they are, and I think you're right about that. And, uh, of course, we have to do, you know, give an honorable mention to Professor Alan Dershowitz, uh, who is a liberal Democrat, and yet he has stood pretty firm and tough against these abuses, most of them, and he's got out with a new book now um, on on the, the war against Trump. But But he is... Uh, single example, and you're right that the institutional legal system has not done what they should have done. And indeed, what we hear is that Trump's lawyers, their, their efforts trying to get them disbarred and right. removed right. from the exactly. profession, which is an outrage. Now, Sidney yeah. Powell fortunately survived the action against her in Texas, but there are others pending, John well. Eastman. Yeah, Jeff, 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 Jeff Clark, Jeff Clark, widely, widely Jeff considered Clark. one of the smartest lawyers in D.C. by everybody until he happened to be acting attorney general under Trump. And now he now he's being threatened with, uh, you know, bar actions against him. It's, it's crazy. Uh, John, all right, I've got to go. John Schlafly, everybody. John and Andy Schlafly write a column read uh, by Donald Trump. Uh, so you should read it, too. I mean, that's the best way to tell it. If John, Donald Trump is reading it, you better read it, too. It's a Available at townhall.com, but also archived over at uh, phyllisschlafly.com. So again, thank you, John, for uh, the time and for writing the column for Donald Trump that we're allowed to read, too. We appreciate it. This is the Phyllis Schlafly Report, the conservative pro-family broadcast of Phyllis Schlafly Eagles, a leading voice for the sanctity of life, traditional education, the Constitution, and American sovereignty. Now, here's the president of Phyllis Schlafly Eagles, Ed Martin. Believers in the misguided population control ideology were among the 3,000 attendees in Davos, Switzerland recently for the World Economic Forum. They turned the town of Davos into a military zone as they excluded the rest of the public from visiting. Multiple military-style checkpoints were set up around the village to ensure that none of the hoi polloi, or real reporters even, could see what was going on there. In attendance this year was Senator Joe Manchin, Democrat of West Virginia, who's on political life support in a state that Donald Trump carried by 40 points. This means it's unlikely Manchin can win re-election when his seat is up in 2024. Globalists push bans on coal production, which is central to the West Virginia economy, and Manchin may be angling for a post-Senate job by attending Davos. Several U.S. governors were oddly in attendance, including Governor J.B. Pritzker of Illinois, Governor Gretchen Whitmer of Michigan, and Governor Brian Kemp of Georgia. The agenda of globalists in Europe would not seem to be helpful in those states, but for a half century, these conferences have been a breeding ground for distorting American policy. The Swiss government authorized a deployment of up to 5,000 troops to protect the pampered elite who flew into Davos on their environment-polluting private jets. All the while, they were pontificating to the world about their unproven theories of climate change. A warmer winter did, in reality, help to save lives in energy-depleted Europe amid the crisis caused by the seemingly perpetual NATO war in Ukraine. Yet the World Economic Forum is not the place for explanation, but for fabrication and pontification. These billionaire globalists may put on a good show of collaborating for a better world, but their disdain for the world's population is as plain to see as the 5,000 troops deployed to keep the world's population away from the meeting. Globalism is a philosophy full of contradictions, all of which spell disaster for freedom-loving people like America's. 
If your governor is traveling to globalist confabs like the WEF, it's time to recognize it's a red flag. This has been the Phyllis Schlafly Report with Ed Martin, president of Phyllis Schlafly Eagles. And we think it's time to take Washington back from the power brokers. At phyllisschlafly.com, we're organizing a grassroots movement to stand against the deep state bureaucrats who control government. For the latest strategies, go to phyllisschlafly.com. That's phyllisschlafly.com. Thanks for listening, and join us again next time for the Phyllis Schlafly Report. Welcome back, everybody, to the Pro-America Report. Uh, This is the final segment, and we're just out of time. We had a couple of great interviews here that we played today and also got going there on the beginning uh, uh, segment, What You Need to Know. Just a reminder there, take a look. I think it's really worth your time, worthwhile, important, edifying, and extremely urgent for where we are in this nation at this moment. Go and look up Live Not By Lies, the uh, final essay to his countrymen of Alexander Solzhenitsyn, and then also Rod Dreher's book, Live Not By Lies, the same name. I think it will be an incredibly important thing and very good uh, for you, for me, for everyone this year. Put it on your reading list. You will not be disappointed. But that's it. We are all out of time, but we will look forward to talking to all of you next week. Thank you to Noah, our technical director. Again, thank you to Ed. Glad he's getting a break, and we will look forward to seeing you right here on the Pro-America Report next week. We'll see you then. This is the Pro-America Report on The Answer San Diego. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.